Hey, thanks for listening to Cornerstone Church. You can find us on the web at akcornerstone.org. And we want you to know it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will use this message to either save you through the good news about Jesus Christ, grow you into the likeness of Jesus, or send you to proclaim Jesus in the Spirit's power. For those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Kevin Mose. I'm actually an elder here and uh, was asked to share today. Um, I am also a husband, a father. I am a teacher. I am a taxidermist. I am a builder. I am a fisherman and a hunter. Yep, great. Thanks, guys. But most of all, I want to be known as a follower of Christ. And that is my hope when my time on earth is done that I'll be known as that by my kids and by others. As I mentioned, I've been a teacher for 22 years, and I have very strong thoughts about getting an education. And uh, back a number of years ago, I was working on my master's before I was married, and I had a professor challenge me to not only get higher education, but to become a lifelong learner. And 14 years ago, that was actually about, no, 19 years ago, 14 years ago then, I came to a realization that I need far more than just an education and knowledge. And uh, this happened on a little trip that my wife and I took. And it wasn't very far from here, but it changed my life forever, and it it caused a, a, a realization that I need wisdom. It was a, li- a pretty big place. It's called Providence. Have any of you ever been there? Um, Providence, the hospital. And uh, we went in, actually it was 14 years ago yesterday. And my wife and I went in, and three days later we left three of us. A little boy named Hunter. And... That was a moment in my life where I said, Lord, I need wisdom beyond what I can imagine. This education I have is great, but this is something new. and <laughs> This is something I need help with. That event was what started a quest for wisdom. Two daughters, job changes, kids going through puberty, a calling to missions, eldership, and being asked to preach today have added to that undeniable need to seek wisdom. So let's talk about wisdom. I am not like Pastor Brad. I will not take two words out of Scripture. I'm going to bounce all over the place. And I'm more of a theme guy as an educator. That's kind of the way I am. So we're going to look at three questions today. The first one is, why do we need wisdom? Why get wisdom? second one is, what does it look like? And then the third one is, how do we get it? How can we get wisdom? So let's start with why get wisdom. I think there's a lot of reasons for this, but I'm just going to look at two of them. First of all, getting wisdom is a practical means for attaining happiness. All men want happiness. All women want happiness. And that's a good thing. God intended for us to be happy. Maybe a better word would be joyful, right? Um, I'm speaking of a joy that comes from doing the will of the Father, though, and a happiness that comes from abiding in Christ. Uh, let's listen to what Scripture says. Proverbs 3.13 says this, Happy is the man that finds wisdom, 
and the man who gets understanding. That's pretty clear, isn't it? We need wisdom. Proverbs 24, 13 through 14 says, My son, eat honey, for it is good, and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such for your soul. If you find it, there will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. In other words, by all means of wisdom, can you make your way into a hope-filled future. It's the key to lasting happiness. And I think the best verse to sum this up is found in Proverbs eight thirty-two through 36, and it's beautifully said. Wisdom is speaking herself here, and she says, And now, my sons, listen to me. Happy are those who keep my ways. Happy is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who misses me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Remember, this is wisdom talking. If we don't make our, way, our aim to get wisdom, we will suffer injuries and finally death. So get wisdom, get insight. It's very important, isn't it? Now, I have to stress something here because uh, ultimate happiness from God, ultimate and lasting happiness from God doesn't exempt us from trials and tribulations, does it, or discipline. As a matter of fact, uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, says, for, um, who for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross, right? He did that with joy, even though he knew what was coming, which was not an easy thing at all. But Christ endured that with joy. So, as in James 1 and 2, we are to count it all joy when we fall into trials and various kinds of, um, uh, kinds of tribulations, too. So, just want to make sure we know that we're not exempt from those things, but we can still have joy. I also want to make you aware that there's another kind of happiness, isn't there? Proverbs 15.21 says, Folly is the joy to him who has no sense. Our thirst for happiness in this world is insatiable. And if we do not have wisdom to seek it from God, then we will find it with substitutes in the world, won't we? Athletes find it in titles or breaking records and things like that. Executives find it by trying to climb that corporate ladder. Scholars by publishing books, musicians by selling records. Everybody will seek happiness. And there are countless ways, like relationships, drugs, drinking, eating, hobbies, hunting, fishing, unfortunately, are in that list. But when done while abiding with Christ, we do get real joy. The problem with finding things that are not Christ-centered is they're not lasting or they're not eternal, are they? It's joy for which it is not the joy for which we were made. It causes us to be unsatisfied, frustrated, incomplete, and not knowing and knowing that there must be more. And we're going to talk about where we can find that more. Okay. Secondly, God intends for us to grow in knowledge and wisdom. So first, we have we want to be happy but God intended for us to grow also in knowledge. Let's look at Scripture again. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Ephesians 4 also talks about the maturity of the body of Christ, but I think Hebrews 5.11 
6 through 6 1 states it the best. And it says this About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Now, this is the author, he's talking to the church here. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature and for those who have their powers and discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity. C.S. Lewis kind of summed this up, I think, the best. He said, Christ never meant for us to remain as children in intelligence. Intelligence. On the contrary, he told us to be only harm not he told us to not only be harmless as doves, but to be wise as serpents. He wants a child's heart, but a grown up's head. He wants us to be simple, single minded, affectionate, and teachable, as good children are, but he also wants every bit of our intelligence that we have to be alert at the job that he has given us. So, we've looked at two reasons why we should have wisdom. Well, let's look at what wisdom looks like. And I already um, was looking at uh, Proverbs 24, and Proverbs 24 talks about it being as honey in a honeycomb. And I tried to come up with, I'm a teacher, so I need visual aids, so that's why we're here doing this today, if I can get this open. And... Uh, that is kind of the dessert of the Old Testament of the old days, I guess you could say. And so we're going we're gonna to build what wisdom looks like here today. And, and I hope this is, uh, makes sense. <laughs> but if you can put up the next verse, I'm going to dish up a little bit of ice cream. And ice cream for dessert is kind of our basis, isn't it? And this is kind of like Christ. He is kind of the basis for our wisdom. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Oh, I like that vanilla ice cream. Then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, or in, impartial and sincere. So true wisdom, godly wisdom, is found in Jesus Christ, like we have there then we also need to understand that true wisdom, according to our verse there, it doesn't say this word, but it is laced with humility. And so are my fingers. Laced with humility. <laughs> and thirdly, I think another good comparison with that scripture that's there is it is also doused. In love. Are we getting a picture of wisdom here? And finally, it is sprinkled with grace. We'll get a little grace here. And it is also sprinkled with mercy. So, I wish I could say I came up with this, but Solomon did. That's a picture of wisdom. Something that's good, that we desire, that we want, right? And uh, I think that just is an adequate picture. I'm only going to look at one verse there because I think that, that says it enough. Humility is laced or is founded in Christ. 
laced in humility, doused in love, and sprinkled with grace and mercy. Third thing I want, kind of the third question that I want to look at today is how do we get wisdom? How do we get it? Um, now, I just want to make clear, salvation is something that is a gift from God. There's nothing we can do in ourselves, right, to get salvation. Nothing we can do. But there are things, as we look in, um, uh, in our lives, as far as moving toward Christ, that we are required to participate in. And getting wisdom is one of those. And so, as a teacher, this part's going to actually bring, I'm going to have a little homework for you here in a moment. But... The first part of this is we have to desire it and pursue it, okay? Desire it and pursue it, kind of like that. Oh, you know what? When I look at this, does this remind anybody of the prayer of Elisha? Does everyone know what the prayer of Elisha is? Lord, give me a double portion. Isn't that what we want? A double portion of wisdom? I think so. (laughs) All right, desire it, pursue it. I taught Alaska history for many years in fourth grade. I've been a fourth grade teacher for, I think, I taught fourth grade for 17 years. And uh, one of my favorite stories in Alaska history is a story about a guy named Ed Jensen, or Jessen. Has anybody heard of him? All right. I know you have because I had you in fourth grade. Ed Jessen. Ed Jessen is a guy who uh, uh, lived during the gold rush. And he was in Dawson City, and he must have done well. I'm not exactly sure how, but he, he had a dog team, and he had all these things. Well, Ed Jessen decided things were kind of working out, and there wasn't as much gold anymore in Dawson City. So he, wa- he wanted to go to Nome because that's where the new gold rush was. So Ed Jessen decided to buy what they called a wheel. Does anyone know what a wheel is? It's a bicycle. Okay? He bought a bicycle from a man. And he decided that he was going to go to Nome. Does, uh, do any of you know the little, um, uh, I better do it this way. Th- this is Alaska. Have, have any of you guys seen this before? You should have if you're in fourth grade. <laughs> Dawson would be over here. Nome's over here. Okay? Across Alaska. Okay? So he bought a bicycle. And he's going to go to, this is back in 1900, by the way. So, I'm going to read a little bit about this story. It says, After practicing for a few days in Dawson and learning how to keep his front wheel in a sled track, that means a little ski, just set his, yeah, okay, he set his front wheel in that, Ed took off downriver. One day the temperature was down at 48 below. His rubber tires were frozen hard and stiff. He wrote in his diary, The oil in the bearings was frozen. I could scarcely ride it, and my nose was freezing, and I had to hold the handlebars with both hands, not being able to ride yet with one hand and rub my nose with the other. All the way down the Yukon, people thought Ed was crazy for riding a wheel, especially since he owned a good dog team. But he said he didn't have to cook dog food for a bicycle at night, and on good days, he could cover 100 miles. Many of the old-timers and miners... And Indians on the Yukon had never seen a bicycle before, and Ed was always happy to share it with them. After more than a month on the trail, Ed pulled into Nome, and except for the bruises he had from constantly falling down, he and his bike were in good shape. Isn't that a great story? I I love that story. Talk about desire and pursuit, right? And what was he what was he pursuing? Gold. 
Well, let's look at Proverbs 16.16. 16. It says, How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get understanding, is to be chosen rather than silver. So the question is, what are we pursuing? Obviously, we should be pursuing wisdom. The second thing we can do to get wisdom is look at God's word and seek to understand it. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Let me um, give a practical example of this. As I mentioned, I'm a teacher. And when I teach students, I follow something called curriculum. Curriculum is what I'm supposed to follow. Curriculum is derived or made by standards that are set by the state or the federal government many times now. And, and what it does is it, it, it tells me exactly what I'm, what's supposed to be done. And this is important for me to follow. And I am not a writer of curriculum. I'm not very good at it. But I can follow it. And it gives me a guideline, okay? Well, obviously, reading God's Word is is like the major curriculum, right, that we're supposed to follow. But sometimes there are other things in life that come up. Uh, you know, Solomon, the story of Solomon is a great one here because not every life situation is, is covered in, in Scripture, okay? Uh, your middle schooler who is having problems with dating is not covered in Scripture, I'm pretty certain, anyway. And... Solomon had a problem come up like that with two women who had two babies and one of them at night rolled over and killed the other one. I'm sure you have all heard the story. And then switched her baby with the, her friend's living baby. And, of course, the other lady wakes up and notices that it's not her child, but it's dead, and she sees her child over there. So they bring it to Solomon. Well, Solomon, in wisdom that God had given him, has to make a decision here, right? And his decision is, bring me a sword. I'm going to cut them both in half so you each can have half. Well, of course, the real mom begs for mercy. Let her have the baby. Or the other mother says, fine. If we, if I can't have, if we both can't have it, well, that's fine. Just cut it in half. And so Solomon, in his great wisdom, gives the, the real mom the baby. So this is an example from Scripture of situations that are going to come up in life that, that, aren't in, that aren't covered exactly in Scripture, right? But the cool thing is, like my curriculum that I follow and that somebody else has written for me, God has given us brilliant men and women who have written and have the gift of writing and the gift of discerning and the gift of going through Scripture and helping us, right? And... Uh, and these, these authors, I, I've actually asked several pastors, including ours, who has yet to get me his list, but that's okay, um, to give me lists of what they consider their top ten books that have to do with Christian living other than the Bible. And uh, like I said, there's going to be a little bit of a, um, a homework assignment. And if you would like me to, I'm accumulating, I think I have seven pastors, a couple missionaries, and then some other friends of mine that I consider well-read individuals who are, are giving me their list, and I'm going to have that available. I think, are our um, email addresses in the, yeah, okay, so my email address, Kevin Mose, is it's, it's on your bulletin, and if you would like that list, I should have it ready in about a week.
I will be happy to email you. And, and these are men that I, I, I really look up to or mentors of mine that I'm getting these lists from, and I would, um, I'll be happy to send that to you because this is an area that I need to work in too. Um, so, so God gives these people great abilities, and so what we do need to do is read. Now, how many of you are readers in here? Okay, and I see about a third of the hands, and that's typical. Um, I'm going to encourage you also to read. Uh, let, let's do a little math. Okay, if you read 15 minutes a day, which is pretty minimal, isn't it? Everybody can find 15 minutes. In one year, you will read 5,475 minutes. An average person reads 250 words per minute. That means you will have read 1,368,750 words in a year. Now let's translate that to books. Most books have an average of 350 pages. If you were to divide that number into the words that you read, I'm sorry, 350 words per page, if you divide that into the number of um, words that you read, that's 3,910 pages. And if you figure that most average books are 350 pages or so themselves, you will have read between 15 and 20 books in a year. That's for 15 minutes of time. Can you get your heads around that? 15 to 20 books a year if you do that. Okay? So your homework is to read. My homework is to read. I, I like to read, but I read... Have, have any of you heard of Patrick McManus? He's one, my favorite author. If you're familiar, his probably his most famous book is Real Ponies Don't Go Oink. And so... Unfortunately, it's not real theologically driven, but I am moving toward more theological books <laughs> in my life. And former students of mine have heard those stories too. All right. Third, how do we get wisdom? Associate with those who are wise and heed godly counsel. C.S. Lewis said it best again, the next best thing to being wise oneself is to live in a circle of those who are wise. Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to advice, accept instruction, that you may gain wisdom in the future. Or Proverbs 12.15, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. So listen to advice. The fourth way to get wisdom, I actually asked Alex if he'd come up and help me. I'm another demonstration. So come on up, Alex. All right, Alex, I see your dad out there. I know him a little bit, and I, from what I understand and what I've heard, he's a great dad. Yes, Would you agree? Yeah. Well, we have even a better dad, our Heavenly Father. And uh, there's a verse that I, I really want to just read here real quick to you. It says in James chapter 1, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Okay, so... We're going to role play here a little bit. We're going to pretend I'm your heavenly father. And according to scripture, it says, if you ask me for something, wisdom, maybe. If you ask me for wisdom, I'll give you wisdom. So, is there anything you want to ask me? I'll give you wisdom. Gladly. <laughs> and uh, there's a spoon here somewhere for you. Enjoy it. You're welcome. <laughs> I know your mom's not happy with me, but that's okay. 
Thanks, you can have a seat. <laughs> you know what, though? It's kind of funny, but you know what? A lot of times we don't ask God for wisdom, or we don't ask God, and we really need to, because Scripture says he'll give it to us. That's the easiest job we have is just ask. Now, as in closing here, there's one last absolutely essential thing that we need to do to get wisdom. And I'm going to first quote Jesus himself. And he's talking about Solomon in Matthew. And he says this, The queen of the south will arise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. So this is Jesus talking to, his, to people of his generation. For she came to the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here now. Who's he referring to? Himself. Himself. This is an understatement that is greater than Solomon. Of course, indeed he is. God is, or Jesus is, the wisdom of God. Others spoke truth, but Jesus is the truth. Others pointed the way, and he is the way and the life. Others have given promises, but all the promises of God find their yes or their yea and amen in him. Others have offered God's forgiveness. Jesus bought it by his death. You know, the exclamation, the exclamation of the Old Testament that I started with is, get wisdom. But the resounding cry of the New Testament is, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. To know and to love and to follow Jesus is to own the ultimate and eternal happiness and wisdom that we can find. If you do not know Jesus... I would be happy to talk with you today. If you need wisdom, there's opportunity for you to ask God for wisdom. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your son Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, only true happiness, true wisdom can be found in him. Thank you for that, Lord. I pray that you would encourage us to to seek wisdom in the way that you want us to as far as our duty and, and what we should be doing. But Lord, help us not to forget to ask and to seek you, Jesus. We thank you in your name. Amen.